Hello, Brian's and possibly not Brian's. This is all the Brian's where a Brian interviews Brian's. And this episode is brought to you by Brian Coin, the coolest crypto on the blockchain. Brian Coin, if you're going to invest in a decentralized currency, make sure it's backed by Brian's. And this episode's Brian is behind something truly frightening. Something that haunts your social media feeds and possibly your nightmares because he's the creator of Gritty. Yes, the infamous Gritty. And if you want to jump to that, just check out the timestamp in the episode description because first we cover the ins and outs of him running an independent design studio where he creates lots of really cool non-gritty things. Here's Brian. My name is Brian Allen. I'm a uh, freelance illustrator. I live in Belfont, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of uh, Penn State University. And uh, my wife and I run an illustration studio out of our home. Um, so I pretty much... I'm just kind of like an art vigilante. I just sort of do whatever comes my way. Uh, I work work on logos and t-shirt designs, mascot designs, album covers, um, all, really all kinds of stuff. That sounds like a very uh, a sweet gig that you have going on there. And I think, you know, the Brian community will be happy to learn how, you know, a fellow Brian is uh, successfully freelancing as a designer uh, because, you know, that's it's really hard to pull off, especially kind of like independently. But what might really blow their minds is, you know, learning how O'Brien is behind one of the greatest and strangest icons of the century, aka Gritty. Um, and so we will definitely get into the Gritty story in a bit. But first, just can you kind of like paint us a picture of like where, like where you are, like what your home studio is, is kind of like, like what's your setup like? Would you say it's more of like a design lair or a design bunker? We just moved to this house a year ago. So I, I have a much bigger studio now, which I love, but um, it it's funny because I'm almost 40 now and it pretty much just looks like what my college dorm would have looked like, like, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, tool posters and screen printed artwork from artists I like. And I have a sword hanging on the wall for, for some reason. Um, I have lots of pinball stuff because I really love arcade artwork and, uh, um, I've been doing a lot of things recently with the pinball community. Uh, I got That's a sweet, license yeah. to remake a lot of a lot of like the Williams classic um, pinball machine, like back glasses and stuff. So I've got all, all kinds of things like lit up all over the place. Uh, I have a, a giant um, like full size arcade machine in here. I, I got I saved this from an amusement park. They had a flood and uh i got it for a really good price it's, and i hollowed it out and just put like a uh like a raspberry pi um like a uh, emulator system in it so it's got like every arcade game on it you can imagine uh that's sort of my pride and joy there um but my desk i use a uh a giant wacom cintiq tablet which is like a, a big monitor that you can draw on and uh that's pretty much where i sit all day uh as the as the world burns down around me <laughs> yeah so you said you moved to this space about a year ago but you've been you've been working in a home studio for longer than that or how, how long have you been working yeah so when, when i got out of college in um 2000 and uh oh gosh when was this uh 2004 um i worked for first like a motorcycle graphics company for a year uh we we I designed like illustrations for vinyl wraps that would like go on ATV vehicles and like off-road bikes and stuff. Then after that, I worked for a book publisher for 
a long time, like uh, almost eight years, I think. And during that time, I, I would come home and like do freelance work for people um, just on the side. And I, it took a long time for me to get very good at anything and not just good at operating a business, but just drawing also. Um, so around 2012, I finally had enough like clients and projects going on. It's almost like I had to quit my job because because you were just burning the midnight oil a little too late. Exactly. So when I look back on it now, like it, that was a really risky move to, to leave my job. But at the time, um, it was almost riskier to stay. And I do remember at the time I left my job, the industry was changing. So they were laying off tons of people. When I took the jump, I guess in my head, like, because I'm a very cautious guy, I figured that even if I failed, I probably was going to get fired from that job eventually anyway. And we, we would, so the worst case scenario would be, I give it a year or two on my own. If it doesn't work, then I just have to look for a job and we got to move to another state or something. And that was in 2012. So, I mean, luckily it worked and every year has just been bigger and bigger. And then eventually, I think about four years ago, uh, my wife quit her job to just work with me, like just handling scheduling and invoicing. And, and now another part of the business that's grown a lot is just like selling my own products. Uh, so, so a big part of her job is just simply like, shipping or shipping out orders and um taking care of customers and stuff so yeah yeah so so you've been basically working at home since like working from home since before it was cool i guess or (laughs) since before it was i guess mandatory i should say (laughs) yeah like uh because basically for freelancers you know it's that work from home it's like COVID 19 I'm guessing hasn't really affected like your workflow really hardly at all, right? Yeah, it is an interesting thing to go into because I remember back in March, just like everybody else, I was terrified uh, because during that month, uh, I got so many job cancellations because a lot of my clients are musicians and they're, you know, restaurants or they're like um, resorts or like things related to the tourism industry. And like in that one month, so many people canceled uh, the projects that we had lined up. So it was really scary. Um, Luckily, like we last year, we ended up having the best year ever. uh, But that was because we just, we very quickly, I mean, I I knew right away, it's like, okay, I'm not going to be designing any gig posters this year. It's just not going to happen. So like, we're not going to bother going after those clients. We started going after other things. Um, and I also really this year ramped up the idea of just making artwork for myself and then trying to sell it, um, uh, sell it on my own products and stuff. And that, yeah. And that what's, worked the, what's out the URL great. of your website? Just while we're talking about this. So oh, sure. anybody listening can, you know, hop on over there if they want to, check out what you have to what for sale like, unfortunately back in back in high school when i chose my business name i chose a name that like i always have to spell which is which i would not <laughs> do again um, so i'll say it and then spell it but yeah the name of my business is called flylanddesigns.com so that's f l y l a n d and then the word designs.com somebody owns the url flyland.com 
and I've been trying to get it forever. And no one's even, it, no one's using it. They just bought it. And no, they, they just have it parked. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I think they want like, they want like $10,000 for it or something. So, oh, okay. and it's been, and it sucks. They, they contact me every year trying to sell it and it's like guys nobody's used it in eight years just can can you please just ask them how old they are and just wait um, until they die yeah. basically <laughs> yeah it could happen you know just talking about like what you have on your website you said you're doing more stuff with like selling um actual products like direct to kind of consumer kind of stuff so like what what's the kind of the more popular stuff that you sell on your on your site so the most popular things this year has been um things for the disc golf community oh like, weird it's a sport <laughs> yeah it, i know um i was kind of thrown into it like i i had always played disc golf or at least like for the last few years but um one of the major companies called Discraft just happened to reach out to me and hired me to draw some uh, illustrations for some of their disc golf discs and before that i just i didn't even i didn't even think that that could be an avenue for my artwork but from there, like I, I sort of started to receive a little bit of a following. So I, I took a chance and started producing my own disc golf discs, like making the art and then buying them wholesale and, and just selling them to people like in limited edition runs. And there's like a market out there for people who collect them and, uh, or play with them. And, um, and that's been fantastic because that community of people is like very supportive and they, they love artwork. So often what happens is they'll buy a disc golf disc, but then they might go buy a print or some stickers and it, it all just sort of, it grows from there. Um, then the other section that's been real popular is uh, the pinball area. Uh, when I signed up with Williams to, um, to be a licensor of theirs, I several times a year, I've just been like picking an old Williams pinball machine game and redrawing it. And then I produce my own, or I mean, I don't produce them, but I, I order them wholesale, like these trans lights, which are plastic, uh, large plastic images that you light up either in the pinball machine or in a light box. And those have been selling great. What, what's great about it is like, I can spend time on that one illustration but then sell it many, many times uh, to a lot of people over time. By doing that, I can make a lot more than if somebody were to just hire me to do that. Yeah, it's not like exclusive or Yeah, like you can reproduce and so, it. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, and it, it granted me a lot of freedom, to be honest, because the, and like, this is the lesson that uh, I, I've been like trying to learn and like so many other artists that I aspire to have told me is that like, once you reach a certain point, you're going to hit a ceiling where like the people who reach out to you, their budgets are, they're not infinite. So the only way to really grow is to find a way to make something that you're really passionate about and then sell it again and again and again and again. And um, it's been working and it really exploded in like in the last two years. So the question I was going to ask about the pinball stuff was then yeah, you're selling those to like businesses to have them in their businesses or you're selling them to like just personal consumers to just have in their homes i'm just kind of curious about who's who's what the market for pinball is yeah so the pinball market um is another one of these similar to disc disc golf kind of like underground but very passionate 
and uh, lively groups of collectors. So because there's not many arcades left, and there, I mean, there are a lot, like there's, there's also some really cool ones. Um, of course, unfortunately, so many of them got shut down during the pandemic. But what happened in pinball is a, like a group of collectors who have the machines in their homes and try to restore them and maintain them um, just sort of exploded. And then in the, um, I, I guess in the 90s, early 2000s, some bigger companies started releasing new pinball machines again. And like now there's, there's something like probably four or five pinball machines being released every year. And in addition to that, a lot of the older ones are being remade. So whenever an older one, an older Williams pinball machine is remade, like that's an opportunity for me to like make, remake the back glass and draw it in a different way. So it's like, it's an alternate, it's an alternate version of the old one. It's drawing the same characters, but they're drawn in my style. There's different, different things going on. And so I guess I'm curious then, uh, well, I don't want to get you in trouble, potentially the biggest boss of all, you know, your wife, but uh, how, how is it, how has it gone? Like working together? I mean, I imagine there's like going to be bumps of whoever you work with, but like. She has her own office upstairs so as long as we stay on different floors of the house we usually are, are pretty safe so going back to the when we made that choice we have two kids and she worked at a daycare she was getting she had worked at the daycare like almost nine years maybe actually maybe 10 and she was getting a little burnt out on that and what was happening is when the kids were home during the summer i couldn't watch them because i was I was working. So my wife would, uh, we'd have to like send them to like a summer daycare. And there were all kinds of other choices too. Like when they got home from school, who's going to watch them, who's going to make dinner. So we decided let's try an experiment. Like if she works, she quits her job. And then when the kids get home from school, she takes care of them and makes dinner. But before they get home from school, if she's helping me, uh, let's see how that works. And like, it worked fantastic because I guess I, what we didn't realize is how much time I was wasting doing all the administrative stuff. And as, as soon as that was taken off of my plate, I could do so much more artwork and then she can do a lot more marketing, the stuff that I didn't have any time to do. And like, at the end of the day, it, it financially, it ends up being like, she she's able to make way more than she was able at daycare um and now she can spend more time with the kids and like it's great for summer because we can just go on vacation whenever we want um it's great except the asterisk is of course now we got all our eggs in one basket uh we have no like the health insurance we have is all through me like self-employed health insurance, which is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, no, you know, no pension, no re retirement plan from, from the uh, employer. So it's, it's risky. Um, but so far it's been paying off. And the, the thing is like, uh, it, it's easy to think if you have a full-time job, it's easier to think that you're safer. Um, and some, a lot of times that's true, but I, I know tons of my friends or, or family members who have had a job for 
10 years and then just all of a sudden they're laid off with like no explanation, you know? So it, no job is, is a hundred percent safe, but, but I love that. I love some of that sweet health insurance though. I'd miss that. <laughs> yeah. That sweet, sweet health insurance or that sweet, sweet matching like 401k kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice stuff. <laughs> and then, yeah, do you, do you plan on staying uh, in the Belfonte area for the foreseeable future? I, I think so. Cause my, my kids now are 12 and nine and um, you know, they have friends here, they go to school here. So it's kind of a moving now would be nuts, but my wife and I, what we plan to do is like, is, as soon as the kids move out, we want to move somewhere with a beach because we're big beach people. So um, oh, we have some, yeah. pla- we have some places picked out, but uh, yeah, but for now, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be here for another 10 years or so. Nice. Yeah. I guess I see the advantage of moving to a beach place. If you can't even relax on vacation, then you need to like move to somewhere where you can be on vacation. <laughs> and lunch on break. Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope so too. In, in 10 years, um, the plan is, is my business hopefully by then will be a lot more different. Like I, I would hope most of my income then is going to come from selling my own art and like doing, being far choosier with freelance projects. But I'll be 50. I mean, who, who even knows in 10 years if people are going to like the style that I draw in um, or the industry? I mean, this is getting in, uh, off to a tangent, but like I, I've talked with lots of artists who were huge in the 90s and the 90s was such a completely different time because you didn't have to compete on the Internet. You didn't you worked locally like you moved to New York City so you could draw for an ad firm. Whereas now, right now, I'm competing with people in um, India or uh, uh, someplace like that where like those artists are actually really good and they don't need to make much per day. So there's a lot more competition, um, but there's a lot more opportunity too. But who knows in 10 years, I don't know what this business will be like. Yeah, I think it's trying to make the best of of, The thought of 10 years from now is just like, in general, it's just like, who knows what the hell the world's going to look like. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, like, what is like a dream project then for you? Like, uh, yeah, right now, uh, I would love to design a pinball machine. Um, I had mentioned earlier, I'm doing more and more of that artwork, but I would love to like actually, the full thing. Yeah. Like the full table. Um, and I, I've gotten close so many times but uh, it's a tricky market because there's, like I said, there's only- Like four to five a a year, you said? Yeah, there's only four to five a year. There's really only maybe three serious companies, really only two, and then a bunch of smaller ones. Um, And and the the artist, like this main serious company has an artist and like he's just, he's the best, you know? So it's it's like, uh, I don't have a ton of leverage, but- um, that's where my focus is right now. I just, I just keep trying to put out the best work I can and um, maybe someday that'll happen. And you said you were uh, drawing right now, like how many hours a day are you like actually like, you know, putting pen to paper or I guess like digital that Wacom digital pen to <laughs> tablet or whatever. Can you describe kind of like your typical like day, like a workflow? Well, I try, like, I really try to stick to a business day. Like I, I'm not the kind of artist that sleeps in till noon uh and then works all night uh like so i'm i'm at my desk at eight and then at five o'clock 
no matter if I'm behind or ahead, like I stop, like that's dinner time. I, I stop what I'm doing, um, you know, see the kids and whatever. Sometimes if I'm behind, I'll work a couple hours at night after the kids go to bed. And then I, occasionally I work like one a Sunday, but I try for, if I'm ever working on the weekend, I try to make that like my time, like thing, time for personal projects and stuff. You mentioned you do a lot of work with like musicians and like do gig posters and stuff. Like, do you actually like listen to the the music of like, let's say you're doing a gig poster, like while you're designing to kind of like channel that? Or do you- I definitely do. Um, I, I just did something for the, um, for a band called Umphreys McGee. And oh, yeah, I just, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Was, like, yeah, I was listening to They're kind to of known as like a jam band, band, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's easy to do because each of their songs is like, you know 15 minutes long um, yeah <laughs> but uh i recently was designing something for rammstein and um so i just had their music playing like oh, over and over and over <laughs> again and then like that's all you can think of you already mentioned like the tablet for people that are more familiar with this stuff it might be helpful um and then what was this did yeah. you mention what software you typically use oh i didn't um so uh, I have a lot of tutorials for this software on my YouTube channel. Uh, if you just search for Flyland Designs, because uh, I use a lesser known piece of software called Clip Studio Paint. And um, I'm a, a huge fan of it. it it's it's sort of like Photoshop, but it's built more for like comic book artists. And I originally got into it because a lot of famous comic book artists were using it. And um, I I use it every project I do, like 95% of the project is done in that program. And then I I'll use Photoshop, like to kind of finish it up. Um, I usually use Photoshop to Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator to like lay out the text and kind of just do some color adjustments. But uh, what's, what's beautiful about this program is it's only 50 bucks, like one time and you own it forever. Whereas if Photoshop, you usually you got to pay like it's like a cloud-based subscription yeah yeah and and to be and it's crazy because especially the newer photoshop like it crashes all the time and Uh, this this program clip studio paint just like literally does not crash it's 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 funny how um 50 bucks could get me the program that works all the time and i use all the time and then i'm paying 30 bucks a month for something that i use maybe 15 minutes a day that sometimes works (laughs) But okay. Anyway. Yeah. So this is, this could be helpful for any de- designers. And like, I think maybe then even more helpful for maybe someone who's like beginning and like, doesn't want to spend the money on something more subscription based. Ab- yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely, it's a great program for beginners because it's similar enough Photoshop that I think if you learn this and then you, cause you, you can't avoid learning Photoshop. Everybody should, every designer should know it. So once you open Photoshop, it's so similar that you'll you'll kind of like already know it whether you did yeah. or not so uh, I guess we can talk about like your style a little bit for <laughs> since this isn't a visual medium it's interesting kind of just like to try to describe it when I was just looking through like your website it's kind of it's interesting how like you know you said you had like tool posters on the wall because I would almost describe your style as like I don't know if metal is kind of like is a, is a word that kind yeah. of sprung to mind um but like how would you describe your style yeah i think i think like heavy metal uh i you know i would take that as a compliment because when i grew up like i learned to draw by looking at iron maiden covers and like black sabbath and stuff and and there's so much i love the detail of the artwork and just like the crazy dark stuff going on 
Um, but it was back then, like uh, I grew up in the eighties and like heavy metal was, it was dark, but it was like silly dark. Uh, like, you know, I'm thinking of like Dio. Uh, and when you mean dark, it's like thematically dark, not like literally. Thematically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, it, and it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're drawing demons and, and, skulls and stuff but like not not in like a morbid cannibal corpse kind of way just like it sort of like didn't take itself too seriously yeah yeah yeah. And no, that's, that's sort of how i would describe my artwork is it's like um even the dark stuff that i draw like there's a little bit of humor in it or in like when i am drawing like lighter stuff that kind of has a darker edge to it too so that this i sort of like to mix the two things yeah, which is interesting because like looking at your site, you have like your portfolio broken down into the dark and the light. And yeah, I was noticing that what you exactly yeah. described. It's like, yeah, even the dark stuff has this kind of sense of playfulness to it. There's like a zombie child that's just like eating her, her teddy bear stuffed animal like brains, but it's just like silly, even though it's dark. It would be hard to figure out then like which thing would go in which category since there is a, a bit of that crossover. So I noticed that you put a, a gritty in the light section. Is gritty dark or is gritty light? So like, you know, how do you decide that? I know, right? Uh, it, it's tricky because I mean, gritty doesn't fit in anywhere. <laughs> Even in my portfolio, I don't know where to put him. Um, we wanted him to be edgy, but like, I don't think there really was never a discussion about let's make him dark. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. It, was more, it was sort of like the rollout of Gritty and the reception of Gritty that made him be, become dark. Uh, but that, that might be getting ahead of things. Well, I think we should uh, start to get into some of the, the Gritty story. But I think like before we get into the beginning of it, I think I'd like to talk about kind of like the latest Gritty happenings. You know, not the ending, because there's no, there seems to be no ending to Gritty in the news. I guess just like, in, in your wildest dreams, like, did you just ever imagine that something you drew would become this international symbol to the point where it becomes like almost the face of like, uh, the November presidential election results, which then creates a bunch of international news articles from foreign media trying to like, figure out what the hell Gritty is? Yeah, and, and nobody knew. I mean, the guys, the people at the Flyers who hired me, like, they, of course, this exploded beyond their wildest expectations also. Um, so no, I mean, I mean, that is one of the, my favorite things about the job that I have is that every year is a surprise. Like I don't really know what I'm going to be working on and I don't really know what things are going to catch and aren't. Um, yeah. All of a sudden it's like, you got the disc golf community and all of a sudden there's the pinball community yeah right it's like <laughs> yeah and, and it's crazy because i do there's some things i put a lot of work into like trying to make happen and they don't and then the things that work are the things that just seem to like appear and uh you know like the flyers they just they called me like i didn't i didn't reach out to them they just saw they found something else that i had done uh it was for a uh commercial for chick-fil-a um I had drawn the Georgia Bulldog and um, the Auburn Tiger mascots, but I drew them like in kind of a, a cooler, edgier style. And so they saw those things and like, that's what they wanted for Gritty. They, they didn't really know what he was going to be, but they just knew that they needed him to be like kind of edgy. And at the time they were working with another company that 
had provided a bunch of sketches, but I guess all the sketches were more traditional and they were just a little, they, they said they were a little too safe. So they just stumbled upon that and called me because uh, I had kind of like that edgier style, even in the light stuff I do, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so the, the, the origins of Gritty aren't, uh, you know, what the official biography on the Flyers website says, which is that like Gritty emerged after construction at the Wells Fargo Center, uh, disturbed his secret hideout. <laughs> <laughs> so his, yeah, his actual creation goes, you know, into the world of this like mascot creation kind of stuff, which is just interesting to hear how it's just like it starts with, you know, it starts like anything. It starts with like an email. It starts with uh, <laughs> they, re they reached out yeah. to you. Uh, but like, what was the what kind of was any of like the brief that they had for it other than that? Like, uh, we just like your style. Uh, can you give us some options or was there any was there any sort of guidance? Yeah, um, they were pretty open. Um, they knew that they thought they wanted it to be a monster. But at the time, they also wanted to see like other options too, like some animals. So the first thing that I did, I think I came up with a long list. I looked through all the existing NHL mascots to make sure that I didn't repeat anything. Like obviously we didn't want to make him a penguin. Um, but I came up with a long list of animals and like people and things that I thought we could try they narrowed it down for me and then i spent a couple days just drawing as many very quick sketches that i could uh i so i think that ended up being like 25 sketches they were real rough but they were all like okay so what's he look like if he's a bat you know what what's he look like if he's like a pilot what what's he look like if he's you know just a tough guy and um, also it could have been like a person in some of the it could have been yeah options I, oh weird yeah and <laughs> it's like it, it part of my job as a concept artist is like even if we all know that's not going to work part of my job is to like take Show a crack them. at it so <laughs> that we can say yeah that's yeah. not that's not going to work you know so so that way there's no doubt and you can throw it yeah. on the floor um so uh there, yeah, and, there, and there's some ideas sometimes that like sound good in an email and then you, you start laying it out visually and it's just, there's no way. <laughs> um, so you said you drew like that, 20, 25 of them. Do you actually remember drawing Gritty or like even give a second thought before showing them that you thought it was like pretty cool or was like the deadline just so tight that you were just like so caught up in this like shotgun approach and had like zero time to reflect on the drawing of actual Gritty well, at, that, at that time? In that batch, that I did I also drew like six different monsters um and I, I did know the one that ended up becoming gritty like he was definitely one of my favorites um so I'm really glad that they chose it oh good it would suck if you like you hated gritty or like it was one of the ones you were like oh they're gonna kill this this one sucks <laughs> yeah I mean that's happened to me so many times in my life like designing yeah, yeah, something yeah. that I love it doesn't make it they pick the they picked the dumb one. So, so anyway, once, once I submitted those sketches, they, they had hired me for the first part of the job, which was just creating all those concepts. And then if they picked one, they would come back to me and hire me to, to, to flesh them out and do the rest. So at that point, I didn't know what I was drawing would necessarily become the mascot. Luckily, they called back like the next week and said, we love this guy. And it, it, it was a sketch that looks pretty close 
to Gritty now, but some of the some of the big changes were he originally had wings because um, oh. that, that was something that they had asked for, and we so we and we drew like insect wings and like feathered wings and like just any kind of wing you could think of. Um, and I want to backtrack like that's one of the advantages of working digitally um, is that I can very quickly take the same drawing and and try four different things you know I don't have to like get out tracing paper and redraw anything uh, and that's one reason I was able to do like 25 sketches in two days because a lot of them use kind of the same body but I just warped it and then like drew a new face um, stuff like that. So, you know, since this is a name, like a name kind of themed podcast, then how did the name like Gritty come about? I can't take credit for that. Um, they, I'm trying to remember exactly when it happened, but I know that in emails, like we often said, he needs to look gritty, you know, cause, cause Philadelphia is, can be a, a gritty place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have something like cute and cuddly be the mascot of Philadelphia. It's just going to get laughed out of town <laughs> which i mean gritty I mean, let's be serious gritty almost was but but anyway the art directors came up with that in i think one of the first meetings when they were um reviewing my sketches i think so then we, i think early on like just because i needed to write something on his jersey i was writing uh Benny I was just calling him Benny like Benjamin Franklin <laughs> knowing that wouldn't be the name it's just like I had Benny to I mean it's, something. it's kind of fun uh, I mean Honor. I don't I don't think Brian you got the first letter you know right with Brian but yeah like, I don't know if Brian would be like good as a mascot name it would be like I guess it would be to- it would be funny in its own absurd way because it's just such like a kind of like a vanilla name it's just like <laughs> I know <laughs> but it's- I guess you know maybe for like It'd be like a double layer of like humor for like an anarchist mascot to be named like Brian. <laughs> right, right. Or, or like like having the name Skip or something or, you know, but um, to where, so anyway, anyway, what else did he have? He had wings. Um, he had teeth originally too, uh, which I really liked, but the costume people couldn't figure out how to make the teeth work. Um, same with the wings. The The wings were like, as soon as you start trying to sculpt those things, as soon as Gritty does a cartwheel or something, they're going to get bent or fall off. <laughs> so those had to go. Um, but yeah, but anyway, as, as we went along, like I just drew, drew him um, more refined and then- And you're we drawing were, him like 2D kind of your, like your illustration style, like flat 2D kind of style, right? But you've got you to gotta draw him from like other- angles right to be able to get this kind of like 3d uh total mascot like thing that's going to come to life right like yeah so when i've designed things for 3d before and what you do is you draw a uh, what's called a turnaround so you draw him from the front and the side and the back and then that gives the 3d modelers in this case it's not exactly a 3d model but people actually making a costume um and of course, like those people did a fantastic job too, especially considering it's not, it's not often talked about, but like this was thrown together really quickly. I was working on this with the flyers like two months before he was released. And so that means the costume company probably had just a month to put this all together. So is it normal then for like mascot des- like development and design to start with 
just the flat 2D or do they sometimes go to like you I don't know like a 3D animator that designs that way I'm I'm guessing it's always 2D because I I know some artists who work in the video game industry and even in that case characters are eventually modeled in 3D like it starts on paper where another area of concept artists will start drawing in 2D and then they'll hand that off to the 3D animator and that that's just because a 2D artist can work so much more quickly. Yeah, just like what you're saying, it's like artist. a two month, like from almost brief to like getting yeah. it out there. It's like, yeah, you got to iterate probably pretty quickly in like just the initial concepts of it. And how did like yeah. the, so how did the, like the googly eyes came about? Because I imagine you can't illustrate that, you know? Yeah, the googly eyes are, are fantastic. Um, they, I think, I was not there for this decision, um, but, but the googly eyes, were like just kind of a last minute idea based on what the costume company had laying around like at their at their (laughs) studio and uh they're fantastic and that's one of the reasons that sometimes his pictures come off so creepy and weird is because you're not seeing the yeah the googly eyes yeah (laughs) one eye is going one way one's going the other yeah (laughs) exactly and like if you meet gritty i met gritty in person and like it really is a very different experience. He, he really it seems a lot friendlier um, than in pictures. <laughs> um, and so you had met, you had alluded to this that like the initial, you know, reception to Gritty was you know it was negative until he got kind of like frisky on social media where he was like fighting back um, with like the flyers. Yeah. And so like this this persona developed where he's like you know actually like taking his criticism like head on and just basically being like a, a middle finger to it all like in a Philadelphia kind of way that I think that uh, uh, endeared him to the city <laughs> of, of brotherly love at least and then nationally and all that. I think what makes Gritty work now is that it he is so absurd because a mascot in 2020 or 2019 is kind of an absurd thing. Um, if they had played it straight and come out with a a mascot that was, I don't know, flyers, the flying dude, and like, and he just looked real corporate and clean and safe, um, it, it people would see through it because I think people are more um, savvy to be marketed to than when most of these mascots out there were invented. Most of these mascots like even the Philly fanatic are like decades old or more. Right. So I think gritty works because he's like, I, I've said this before, and I hope it's not repetitive, but he, I think he's like an anti-mascot. He's sort of like a parody of the idea of a mascot. And he doesn't do any, anything that you th- would think a normal mascot would do. And when I was sketching him, you know, I'd be lying if I said, I thought of all that when I was drawing them, but I did know when I, when I'm drawing those characters and like any character, like I did want them to have sort of like a, an attitude to them. Um, well, I think it kind of goes into what you're saying is uh, before about some of your style where it's like a lot of your style, even when it's dark, it's not taking itself too seriously. And so if it's an anti-mascot, you're not taking, 
that character is not taking the idea of being a mascot too seriously because it's an anti-mascot so it, that totally makes sense for like even like you know your your style uh, of illustration in general so yeah that totally makes sense and the only thing I, the only thing i remember is that when we were doing the monster we knew we wanted him to have like a big bushy orange beard or fur or something because that just seemed like <laughs> it's just so hockey you know yeah, 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 like yeah. just like a big orange angry beard and uh, if i remember too like uh at, from an artist standpoint you i think i used orange obviously in the design but i had a lot of other colors on there too um like there was teal and stuff like other colors that go well with orange and like every iteration when i sent it to them they're like basically add more orange more orange more orange until like he's basically all orange like his uh, so gritty is orange and black i think so what was it in like a meeting um, gritty then in real life it sounds like there was a bit of a time between you know designing gritty seeing gritty out into the world and then you actually seeing him in like flesh in person and like at an actual hockey game like that must have been just a surreal experience then is there anything to that anecdote of going there that like still stands out to you well i just remember uh they really went above and beyond to uh make it like special for me and my family uh, like they, you know, they, they took us out to a game and put us in a, a they, we had nice box seats. And um, at one point, I don't know if this was on purpose, but it just seems too coincidental. Like they showed my kids on the, um, on the jumbotron for a moment and they like lost their mind. It's like they, <laughs> no, they had to do that on purpose. Yeah. And sure. I did. Yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing. That's um, so nice. Yeah. But, but when we, when we met Gritty, like they had, they arranged that we were like in a, a private room. So it was like just us and, um, and my, you know, my kids just, they just love that. Cause like at school, they were like, they, they actually got called up in class to like talk about it. Uh, cause not much, you know, I, I'm from a small town, so not a ton goes on here. Are you but, in flyer uh, country or are you in more like penguin country or is it kind of split? I'm actually like smack in the middle. I, I'm equidistance from Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Okay, so at least like at least so they're not get, you're not in the middle of like Penguins Land and your your kids yeah. your kids are getting bullied at school for creating gritty you know. <laughs> but I do one of the things I remember that was so funny was uh, like I know the name of the performer that is in the costume, and when I got there, I I was immediately because I had talked to him on email and I got there and I'm like like hey you know blank I, I'm not gonna say his name but like hey man uh so nice to meet you and you, you you know you're doing great job and everything and like they live by a code where they don't when they're in that, that costume like he is gritty he's not the other guy so when i said that like gritty started like looking around the room like what what is this guy talking about like who 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 are you looking for like that's not me and i he didn't say a single word the whole time like he just was that the silent gritty and uh i just i don't know that, it's, that like a, it's like a british as, like cool. uh, a royal officer at the buckingham palace he just like can't talk and just exactly yeah and then and one of his hand one of his handlers came up and whispered he's like he doesn't use his real name <laughs> i was like all right wow this is some, this is something big does it does he have to remain secret is it or is it more he has to be he can't be addressed as secret while he's in costume or like yeah i've I'm not even sure if you can find out, like if you tried to Google it, I'm not sure if, because I think they like really try to keep it secret, 
Um, but he, uh, he actually, especially at the beginning was like in charge of his social media. So when he was tweeting, like he had help from the marketing team to take the photos and stuff, but like, that was all him. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> it was, it's so cool about that. Cause I think another company would have like a whole corporate department. Yeah, it would go through like that. layers of then, like uh, approval processes and stuff like that. Yeah. You would imagine. Yeah. And that's what saved the day. I mean, his like quick thinking at like sort of embracing the criticism and like fighting back and not taking it laying down like that's the kind of stuff that really brought people around he was you were the one who was originally then fighting back like yeah. people can look it up online to see how yeah. like you know google like gritty like fights back on social media and you'll see all these such like funny posts but it's actually created by the yeah, guy and, in and the costume that's that's wild and he he comes up with a lot of the ideas for these creative stunts that they've been doing and he's just i mean he's an excellent performer it's just just fantastic so that that adds obviously you know 70 percent of the whole success of gritty is just the guy in the costume and have you seen all like the gritty like the latest memes or like the, have you read like the articles from like france where they're like uh gritty? like trying to understand gritty and like what was that uh early november like for you seeing that gritty blow up in that way well one of my favorite things was uh you know, toward, toward the end there when Pennsylvania was still in question and then Philadelphia's votes went toward Biden. And like, I started seeing tons of gritty memes where gritty saved the day kind of things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and there was, there was a really funny one with game of Thrones where it was, I can't remember the woman's name, but gritty was like, you know, I want Trump to know it was me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That one's nice. <laughs> and um and i mean and, and i posted something on my social media and it is i mean obviously it's an understatement to say things are decisive or i mean divisive right now mm -hmm. but that got a lot of heat uh you know this, a lot of people are angry um so it, it it is really interesting like i wasn't even posting like like haha it was more just like hey this is really funny to me and like yeah, you just really it, it brings out um brings out a lot of anger and uh oh, for sure. i don't know hopefully we can heal a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah years i don't know but to see gritty sorry go ahead no let's say definitely check out yeah like, there's these these memes as well like like i think the liberty galate grite one uh that i think that one's my favorite i actually um, I, I got my so my sister and soon to be brother in law that live in Philly. I got them a framed printout of that meme for uh, for <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like uh, you know, there's there's the political side of it, and there's also the the love of gritty side of it. But it's cliche to say like you created a monster, but it's like yeah, you created this monster that's like this symbol that's like powerful enough that the left has been using it, but then the right has tried to claim gritty as well. Um, yeah. So do you have like an emergency plan if it, if it all of a sudden becomes, evolves into some sort of symbol of something that you completely are against, like kind of how the creator of like Pepe the Frog like hates what it's become? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the Pepe thing and I, I'm grateful that so far Gritty hasn't been attached to anything like that. It, has, it hasn't been attached to anything negative. Um, like or like hate, you know. I haven't seen anything. 
yeah, haven't yeah. seen anything. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure if you go digging, there's there's some pretty negative stuff. But um, I, Gritty is is completely out of my control and maybe anybody's control. Yeah, you created a monster. So, it's like so like the impossible the impossible yeah, really question nothing. is like what what do you imagine is like next for Gritty? Like because you could have asked this question like you know in in September and then all of a sudden November comes and you're like what the hell? Yeah, as a freelancer. I think part of my mentality, because I deal with so many projects day after day and different clients and, and every year seems to be different. Like, I think I'm, I've trained myself to do the job and then move on to the next job. Um, Gritty keeps coming back, <laughs> which, which I love. <laughs> I love that because it, it's great to be like, to be recognized for, for an involvement um there are so many projects out there with artists behind the project that no one will ever know their name you know like we don't we don't know the guy who drew nemo everybody just knows nemo i just i kind of got lucky in that like gritty became such a huge news story that it was just something that people wanted to know was like who who was behind yeah, the original like design and stuff so you, you know i think most artists do a little uh, this is gonna sound so lame, but like we, we we're doing really cool magic things every day. Um, it's rare that anybody takes a moment to like recognize that or or find out who was behind it. Yeah, no, even something like Baby Yoda, you know, for example, it's like we don't. Yeah, I don't think there's this like urge to figure out how where did Baby Yoda come from. That yeah, was, I mean that's, that's a good point. <laughs> like like people are obsessed. My wife is obsessed with it, and it it looks fantastic it's so real looking a lot of it is animatronic and puppetry um but those guys who created it the guys who really like were up late at night building it painting it and whatever um they you know they probably just got like a, a modest union salary or whatever and uh you won't know their names and they're they're not getting a royalty cut of like every baby yoda sold uh, <laughs> Well, so. you're you're also not getting a uh, um, royalties for uh, gritty, so which is unfortunate because I feel like you uh, you might you would be able maybe be able to retire at this point, but yeah, <laughs> that's a tough. It's a really tough thing um, because I you know at the beginning, I tried to negotiate some arrangements. Oh, at really? the end of I the day, was I was possible. happy. I was happy. Well, that's the problem is that. It maybe 10 years ago, it used to be more possible, but, but now it's like the, these big teams and bigger companies just have their lawyers make up these documents that are just, just I don't know, just bulletproof. I mean, you can't. Yeah. It's like, do you, know. do you want this cool job or not? And it's kind of like, if you don't want it, they'll go to someone else kind of a thing. That's exactly it. Because at, I mean, at the time, actually, I, I can't remember how I knew this, but there were a couple other artists that they were also considering and they might've even received sketches from those artists too. I, I'm not sure, but um, yeah. And that's exactly it. It's like, you, you want to stand up for yourself and for other artists, but if you push too hard, there's a line out the door of other people who are ready to do it. Yeah. And um, the other thing is too uh, with, I believe the Philly fanatic, which was created like many decades ago, I believe that when they hired the artists for that, it was something where 
the artists still actually own the rights to the actual image, not like the mascot itself, but like just the, the artwork of the design of the mascot. So they later had to like buy her out because they, the, the team did not like think of that at the beginning. And I don't know how much they bought her out for, but it probably was a lot because by the time they discovered it, like the Philly fanatic was released and was probably a big deal. So from that point forward, probably all teams of any size, like, know, well, we got to buy every, we got to buy out all the rights, like end of story. Yeah. So have you gotten requests just for other mascots? Last year I did have a cool project uh, with MTV of all places. Um, They wanted me, I'm not sure how much I'm, I'm allowed to say, but they wanted me to design a mascot for like a get out the vote campaign that they were doing. And it would, yeah, I can't, I, I can't say what the mascot was, but like one design was a mascot guy in a costume like Gritty. And then the other mascot was like a puppet. And so I did a bunch of concepts for them, but this was back in like January or February. And then COVID hit and like all the, I mean, you can't have like a mascot doing get out the vote rallies. Yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's a whole that was all idea. Canceled that involves people getting out into the world. Yeah. So that got, unfortunately, unfortunately that got canceled. Um, But other than that, there aren't many teams out there that just don't have a mascot. They don't have mascot. First (laughs) of all. So, I mean, actually in hockey, now there's only one team that doesn't. Um, So, and then there was another, uh, there was an opportunity with um, Long Island Riptide, which is like a lacrosse team where they were interested in having me, do the mascot but i i got outbid <clears throat> i got outbid by another company um i didn't get that job so let's just okay so the last the last gritty question and this is probably the most important um question of the entire uh, the entire time here um <laughs> yeah. who, who do you think would uh win in a fight baby yoda or gritty <laughs> um can baby yoda use the force well, that's, that's a good question. That's what I was, when I was trying to think of who would win, he's I, just a I, was baby. Imag- I was imagining, but like, even if Baby Yoda could, if Baby Yoda could use, you know, his limited ability to use the force, because I don't know if you've watched like the Mandalorian and all that, like he's still like kind of in training. Yeah. yeah, his name's Grogu, I guess. So it's Grogu versus Gritty. Pretty yeah, snappy title card there. So I, I don't know who, would, I don't know who would get it because Gritty will have some weird tricks up his sleeve gritty has like those videos of him beating up on on kids like he put a kid <laughs> put a kid in the penalty box recently so he's not a he's not above hitting kids groku hasn't really trying to think what he's done so far he's doing a lot of showy stuff he could just like uh, move rocks and shit like that so like you know or i guess i know he, he kind of like tossed around some stormtroopers when he was in captivity so, oh yeah i remember that so yeah, yeah it's hard it's hard to say but i would love to just see like an animated fight or something but <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> yeah it's probably out there anything you can think of is probably someone has done it <laughs> but let's uh let's jump into then uh yeah these brian questions Question. here you know sure. uh going back way to the beginning like do you know why your parents uh named you brian oh i don't i should have asked them that before i did this um <laughs> Knowing them, it then this is this is gonna sound mean. I don't think they put that much thought into it. <laughs> I think they just they were probably just looking through a book and, and like the name of the sound of it, you know. Because my brothers, they have names that are not 
not real creative either so like where yeah so you have siblings like what what uh what would their names be like in terms of like where does brian fit in well i'm the oldest i i my brother's name is keith he's actually also an artist uh he works for american greetings in ohio and then i have a brother named chris who's a engineer um in baltimore so we're we're all pretty vanilla my last name is alan very boring dutch name okay yeah so you don't really necessarily have any like irish ancestry with like brian (laughs) um but it's like you know imagine it's the time period because yeah if you say you're near 40 it's like you're right around the time period where brian was like peak popularity in the united states oh there you go that's why they chose it (laughs) yeah 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 it was it was the hot thing to do (laughs) um so so two-part question uh dead or alive what if you could meet one other brian who would it be and then who also would be your favorite Brian of all time? So like a Brian to meet and then a favorite Brian. I would love to hang out with, this is going to be so random. It's just the thing that popped in my head, but uh, Brian from Half-Baked, uh, <laughs> Jim Brewer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd like to hang out. That might be too far removed, but Jim Brewer playing No, it's Brian. good. I haven't, I, haven't gotten, <laughs> I haven't gotten that answer before. <laughs> <laughs> And then maybe you, I'll bet you've gotten this one, but maybe Brian Griffin from Family Guy. Um, I, I like that character too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Brian from Half Baked and Brian Griffin. Uh, both, both good Brian's. I'm, I didn't have to look up the Brian from Half Baked clips again. I haven't seen those in a while. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. so I got a, a Brian trivia question here. I try to figure okay. out a trivia question that's kind of related to the topic. So this one, since you said you were a metal fan, you might know, but uh, Brian Slager is the founder of Metal Blade Records. He put out the first commercial recording of a huge metal band and actually introduced that band to Yaramir Jaeger, the, the famous hockey player, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I tried to relate it there to, you know, hockey and metal here. Um, and so which huge metal band did he put out the first commercial recording of? <laughs> What's that? Is, these things are all connected. These things are all connected like a conspiracy. <laughs> um, oh, man. Well, this is, I'm just going to take a guess. because Yeah, I, yeah, just, I just take a guess of a huge metal but, band. But so, but so uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Slayer. No, it was Metallica. <laughs> oh man i i wanted to say metallica but like it just seemed too easy <laughs> but like yeah i mean I, I had no idea who this guy was before i looked it up um so here's here's what it said uh on his wikipedia brian slager is known for having initiated the metal massacre series of compilation albums in 1982 the first of which included the first commercial recording by metallica so the in 82 he that that album, the compilation album, it featured all local Los Angeles metal bands called the New Heavy Metal Review Presents Metal Massacre, and the featured the first recordings of Rat, Steeler, Black and Blue, Malice, Avatar, Sirith, uh, Ungol, and Metallica. And then the copy, the album quickly sold out all 5,000 copies that were printed. But then it's like, I think, so that was his only involvement with Metallica other than like staying friends with them and then eventually introducing them to Yarmir Jaeger. <laughs> I should have known that because uh, I um, I grew up with Metallica also like back in the in the early eighties. But this is just like a little. And... This is like a weird like like a B side of history of Metallica. I feel <laughs> like very uh, 
uh, yeah. very deep cut. <laughs> okay, so here's a harder question. If you had to choose a first name other than Brian, what would it be? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, I actually, uh, the thing about being named Brian that gets a little old is like constantly telling people whether it's an I or a Y. Um, and they like, I'm with an I, it seems like most people are, but, uh, also on the phone, when you say Brian and people always hear Ryan and then you got, you got to correct them. So I would try to think of a name that just like, when you say it, people know what your damn name is and you don't have to spell it. Like Rogu? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, so it would be something like so plain, like Michael or something where like, there's only one way to spell it and we can just move on. No, I take that back. I I would go the complete opposite direction because one of the reasons my website name is flylanddesigns.com is because unlike a lot of other artists, I can't have brianallen.com because there's 2000 of us (laughs) and it was already taken. And like, it sounds so generic in vanilla so i'd have to choose something like just some crazy <laughs> artist name I yeah like i like it um so i found that brian's are pretty good at naming things like um you know like pets and kids and cars and whatever so like you, you mentioned you have kids do you have any and i think i heard a dog barking like uh what what kind of names have you given things <laughs> we we have a uh, a little pug terrier um then we named Santa after the Game of Thrones character. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah. So, um, and, and then for my kids, uh, it's actually, it's Michael, which I, I just said. Oh. <laughs> but Michael runs in our family. Like that, uh, I come, half of my family is Italian and like there's so many Michaels. So Michael is kind of the name that we just go to when we can't think of another one. Um, <laughs> and then Isabella is my daughter just not named after anything in particular. It was just, just a nice just a name, name that yeah. me and my wife, me and, you know, me and my wife had a big list of names and it was the only name that was on both of our lists. So cat named Figaro uh, from Pinocchio. <laughs> Cause she, she looks just like that cat. Oh yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely continuing the trend of Brian's being good at naming things. Um, so like overall, would you say that being a Brian has been a plus or a minus in your life? Um, yeah. I mean, I can't complain. Things, things are pretty good. Uh, would, would life be better if I were named Felipe or something? I don't know. But uh, so far, it's been working out great. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that, that is the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> I would have had a negative buzzer kind of playing. It was a good sound effect. But then, uh, so any uh, memorable instances of your name being uh, misspelled as brain? Other than that, like it happens oh, all the time on email. Is there anything that like stands out as a particular yeah, bad one? I'm so, yeah, it's funny you say that. It does happen all the time. Um, or mine is a double whammy because people say brain alien a lot. Um, I don't even know how you mess that up, but uh, <laughs> I think. Oh, with Alan. <laughs> I think brain alien, that's got to be intentional, someone doing that. Yeah, I think there was there were a couple bullies in school. I think used to call me that. <laughs> I think I I think there was one time I got like a small art award or something, and they wrote Brain Allen on it. 
on the actual award and they on the award and they had to like re, re yeah re-engrave it oh it's um, aw- awesome that they actually had to change it and instead of just being like oh sorry right <laughs> yeah i guess we'll just uh end here with like any message you'd like to just you know say to all the brians out there um the correct way to spell your name is with an i oh fighting words for for the for the y community <laughs> you can learn more about uh brian allen at Flyland Designs, so two Ds there. Yeah. dot com or on YouTube. Yeah, that that if they go to that website, they'll be able to find my YouTube channel if they're looking for tutorials or um, any of my social media links there. So yeah, it'd be great if you're interested. Just please go check out my work and let me know what you think. All right, awesome. Uh, well, thanks, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun.